It's good to be with you this morning, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to share. I appreciate uh, all of your prayers and uh, concerns. Uh, Dave, as Pastor Pastor Dave, okay, I've elevated you, buddy. (laughs) With that comes great responsibility, okay? (laughs) Oh, we have fun, though, don't we? (laughs) Bottom line is, uh, as Brother Dave read the scripture this morning, Nehemiah goes and he views the wall of Jerusalem, which had been in ruins. But there were some things that led up to that. And the key verse that I wanted to draw out of that was, of course, when the, when the people together said, let us rise up, let us use our hands, strengthen our hands, that the work might be done. As you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you as a church afforded me the opportunity to go away for a couple of weeks and visit family. And, of course, there's always one family member that I have got to go see. And that's my grandson. Okay? Now, when uh, my granddaughter was born, I let her know that things would stop to a degree. She had my full and utmost attention. And for a while there, I thought she was going to be the only grandchild. But I'll tell you, when Isaac came, everything stopped. I mean everything. And that's the same way when I go and visit him now. As tired as I may be, and whatever it is, when he says, Pappy, Pappy goes to wherever he's at and watches and partakes of whatever he does. And I had the opportunity, he was playing on his Xbox, uh, the football game, Madden 18. And uh, I'm happy to say that he lives in Fredericksburg, Virginia at this time. And their closest team is the Washington Redskins. But be well assured he has not been infected. He is a Pittsburgh Steeler through and through. Okay? And so he chose the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was playing, I believe, the Giants in this game. And I'm watching it on the screen, and I'm seeing things, and everything, the fluid motion, I mean, the running backs, everything... I mean, the the graphics were so realistic, and the action was so realistic, that several times, as Roethlisberger dropped back to pass, he held the ball too long and got sacked. (laughs) That's how realistic it was. But despite all that fluidity, and all that computer graphic imagery, that made me look like I was actually watching TV, There was one thing that I did notice. As there would be hand motions, the fluidity was lost. It wasn't as as smooth. It was jerky at best. The hand is a unique thing in creation, isn't it? It's estimated that by plus or minus, there's some 29 major and minor bones in the hands. 29 major joints. I have to say these right because I've got Doc back there. He always fact checks me, and I appreciate that. 123 ligaments, 34 muscles, 48 different nerves, 30 arteries. I mean, right here, that's a lot going on. And we haven't been able to both computerize it or even mechanize it to the fluidity and the movement that it is able to do. You know, in the right hands, a basketball is a wonderful thing. You put the, hand, the, the basketball in the hands of an NBA player, he can, he can make moves and he can make shots that we can only dream of. 
in the hands of a mechanic. My mechanic's back there. Keeps vehicles running. Is able to reach in places that maybe others might not be able to reach. Do things with them. Carpenters. Cindy and I had the very fortunate opportunity many years ago uh, while we were in Alaska, while we were in Kodiak especially, to meet a missionary or one of the missionaries who had been in India for almost her entire adult life. She had performed over 88,000 surgeries, Doc. Her hands, you know, often when you think of hands, especially of a surgeon, you think of maybe long, nimble fingers. But her hands were small. And she had performed 88,000 surgeries on the people of India during her tenure, in addition to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so hands are important. Your hands, they've seen and held loved ones. Babies, newborn babies. You know, one of the things I always do when I check a, uh, a newborn baby, I love to see those little hands, those perfect little hands. Your hands have worked jobs. Your hands have come together in fellowship just even this morning. You shook hands. The hands are a remarkable thing. We can communicate with the hand. The American Sign Language now is an accepted foreign language. It's in some universities and college you can receive credit for. And so hands are important. Scripture mentions over a hundred different times hands. It tells us that in Genesis, man was formed. And the word that was used for formed in Genesis 2 is similar to the same word that is used in Jeremiah 18.4 where God is telling Jeremiah, I am the potter and thou art the clay. And you can see just in this little image up here, there's a potter with hands, fashioning clay. You know, in all of creation, it tells us that God spoke. But when He came to the creation of man, it said that He formed him out of the dust of the earth and then breathed life into him. And so man has been literally formed. Our, our human bodies were literally formed by the hands of God. Well, a little background on our text this morning. This is after the Babylonian captivities happened. We're familiar with Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar has now left. The, the uh, Persians are now ruling. Cyrus, Cyrus has ruled. The Queen had gone out to rebuild at least the temple and some exiles were allowed to return. But it is then later that, again, after the temple is built, that this man, Nehemiah, has something strong laid upon his heart. He knows that the city of his forefathers is still in a state of disrepair. Now, I need to, you need to understand that there is some roughly 150 years since the Babylonians have gone in and laid waste to Jerusalem and this time that Nehemiah has this laid on his heart. Nehemiah has not been to Jerusalem. But yet he yearns for God's holy city to be rebuilt. His heart's desire is that God's holy city be rebuilt. So much that as he has achieved a status in life, he is 
we're told he's the cupbearer to the king. Now, that doesn't mean that he just merely brought him his cup. He was entrusted to taste what it was that the king would drink so as to recognize that whether it was poisonous or not. You only got one shot if it was poison. <laughs> and then you hired a new cupbearer. Nehemiah must have earned the faith and the trust of the king to be able to go and to sit under him to continue to bear his cup. But then as we read in the scriptures, we see that he requested that he be allowed to go back to Jerusalem to see what it was that God had laid on his heart. To go back and survey these ruins. To go back and to see what had happened in Jerusalem. A place that he had never visited. A place that he had never seen. He had only heard of. But his desire was to go there and once again make it a great city. Well, there's three particular things that I want to point out this morning about what we see in Nehemiah that I believe is also applicable to you and I. The very first thing was... There was a work, as I said, that had been laid upon Nehemiah's heart. He hadn't seen the city. You know, often we want to see the outcome of everything. We want it all detailed out before God really gives us a vision sometimes. We need to understand that God will lay a vision upon our hearts. Sometimes we may not know what the full ramifications may be. We may not know what the end is. But we need to understand that God will lay a work upon our heart. But that comes with understanding and receiving and understanding our place as Christians and what God has called us to do. Theologian Alistair McGrath said that there are basically three stages of receiving Christ and what it is that he's done for us. The first thing he says, he says that one must believe that God is promising to forgive us of our sin. You see, we have, to, we have to have that faith and trust that what God has already promised is going to come to fruition. That's the first step. The second, we must trust that promise, must put our entire faith and trust in that promise. You know, when I think back of all of the lessons that I've learned, one of the lessons I've learned about faith is putting one's whole self into it. And it comes from a description or a story of one time when one of the translators of Scripture was working in the Polynesian Islands. And he was struggling for this verse of what it meant to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was struggling for the right word that would convey that one would have this faith that was all-consuming. And one of the young boys from the village had been out working hard. And when he had come into where this man was re, uh, transcribing Scripture into their native tongue, he sat down in a chair, and the verbiage that he used was, I am so tired that I must put my whole self, as he threw himself into the chair. The chair illustration in Evangelism Explosion. Putting one's whole self, the whole trust that you have, that Jesus Christ is Savior. 
But he goes on to say that all that is useless unless we respond to that promise. The Bible tells us that salvation is a gift. And it's for whosoever. And there's a lot of whosoever's who will not obtain the gift because they will not. They will not receive. The gift is there. And he likens this to, he says, suppose there is a cure. You know the cure is there. You know the vessel in which the cure is contained. But you refuse to accept the cure. Nehemiah knew that God had laid a work upon his heart. And that whatever he needed to do, he needed to seek out God's will for the people. Whose will? God's will. It's difficult to be honest about the choices that we make. Because often we'd rather say, I've decided to, rather than God has directed me to. What often happens when we say, I've decided to do, we go off on our own accord, we go off on our own track. And often we find ourselves lost. But when we find out what it is that God is directing us to, what it is that He's leading to, when we truly want to seek what His will is for our lives, the end result will always bring us joy. That doesn't mean that there won't be heartache and tribulation along the way. But the end result will always bring us joy and satisfaction and fellowship with Jesus Christ. The second thing is understanding the work that needs to be done. It's one thing to see, as he, as scripture we read here, he surveyed the ruins. He looked around them. But it's another thing to understand the task. Pastor Hernard, a few weeks ago, shared some very interesting statistics to us about the number of people who truly trust in Jesus Christ. I was, I was somewhat astounded by the number of only 13%, he said, of West Virginians are evangelical Christian. 13%. 87% of West Virginians do not hold to the truth that the Bible is the inerrant, inspired Word of God and that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ alone, is the way to salvation. That's saddening. Especially when we as a church often say, I really don't know any non-safe people. I don't know any unchurched people. I don't know any non-Christians. There are a lot out there. It's one thing to, quote-unquote, see the forest, but not the trees, isn't it? And we often do that. Tolstoy tells a story of two old men, Ephraim and Elisha. And both of them decide to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They begin their pilgrimage, and as they're walking, they come to a small village. And as they enter into the village, it seems dank, it seems dark, it seems, seems depressing. There, there's nobody out and about in the streets. And so they begin to look around and to, to see where everyone is. And they entered into one of the homes, and what they found 
with sickness. They found that a sickness had come upon the city. And that many people in this city had been afflicted. And those who worked were, were just distressed and tired of working with the sick. And they thought that there was no relief. And so Elisha tells his friend Ephraim, he says, you, you start back on the journey. I'm going to stay here for just a little while and see what might be done. But as he began to look, he realized the problem was much greater than he originally observed. And so as his friend started to leave, he called out to him. He says, listen, this is going to take more. This is going to require more of my time. You go ahead and go on into Jerusalem, and I will catch up with you there. Jettisoning the story many years later, Ephraim is waiting. No Elisha. And so he begins his trek back home. And as he's trekking back home, he comes through a city. He comes to a small village again. And as he looks at it, it's, it's something that he seems faintly familiar and he realizes, I've been this way before, but there's something different. There were people in the streets. They were healthy. They were happy. And he says, I've been here before. And he sought out to go on home, and he saw in his hometown his old friend, Elisha. And the two of them began to regale about their trips. And Ephraim said to his friend, he says, about the village you went to. And Elisha said, yes, I spent many years in that village. Tending to the people. And God was good. The story concludes basically not in so much that one was good and one was evil. But each took two different paths, two different journeys. And that Elisha's journey did not end as he had expected. His desire was to go to Jerusalem, to take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But God had detoured him to a small village that was in need of fresh hands, fresh eyes, fresh soul. Are you surveying the needs around you? We all live in a community where there is need. That need can be salvation. That need could be maybe a warm coat. We had a beautiful opportunity this past Christmas to minister to a lot of people with the stockings. It was wonderful seeing people come in and just talking and sharing their stories with us and us being able to share with them and to help Christmas just make it a little better. Are we surveying the needs of those around us? We need to. And the third thing, we jump over to Nehemiah 3. We see he did it. He not only surveyed, but he did the work. Gives us a census in Nehemiah 3 of the people that was there to work. In God's kingdom, there's plenty of work. There is always plenty of work. Because, see, every day... Even though we may have people exit through death, we have people who are being born. And as they're born, they mature. And as they mature, they need 
the same thing all of humanity needs. They need a Savior. It's a constant turnover, isn't it? Always a constant turnover. Pastor Steele, when you started here, think of all the saints that used to sit in these pews that have gone before. And though you sit in a pew, probably where some of them sat. I look over in this section. We've moved the price section from over there to over here. By the way, Maranatha class, sorry, shot the warning shot. Don't claim a seat. In other words, what I'm saying is, is we're occupying space where someone has been before. And you know what? Someday someone may occupy your space. Until Jesus tarries, or comes, should he tarry for another 50, 100,000 years, it is our job to make sure that this place, not just necessarily this place, but what this place stands for, stands for Jesus Christ. And be ready, willing, and able to know the work that God has called us to do. And if needs be, pass that baton on so that others might work. And so to accomplish that, what we need to have is we need to have a common vision. I thank God that the common vision of this church is service to Jesus Christ. Amen? And it comes in a variety of ways. It comes literally with evangelism. As you saw a couple weeks ago, one of the things Dr. Hennard said was, we're all to be evangelists. Some have a special call to be an evangelist. But we're all called to evangelize. In that same way, as Christians, there are some who will be called out to serve in different capacities. But we are all called to serve. And there is plenty of ways to serve. Dave mentions in prayer each week that there are some 30 some different ministries that we have going on in this church. And realistically, as I, as I look back, many of your faces come to mind. You're there. We have a lot of people who are serving in Moundsville Baptist Church. Things are happening. I am happy to say that the distress that Nehemiah saw about the ruins in Jerusalem are not the ruins in Moundsville Baptist Church. But we have a work to do. And we have hands that have put forth that work. They're doing that work. Our deacons have assisted in not only the other functions that you see them do Sunday morning, but they visit hospitals, they visit homes. They're assisting in meeting your spiritual needs. And may I say, they can't help you if you don't ask. Okay? They want you to ask. This is why we put their names weekly in the bulletin. We want to be here to serve you. Our trustees have been active about our building. We mentioned this morning a transformation. If you would have been here two months ago, the class that the Maranatha is meeting in had a toilet sitting right in the middle. 
I lie not. It wasn't usable, but it was there. This morning, I think I saw 16, 18 in your class sitting there in a totally refurbished room. Our Board of Finance is taking care of all of our financial needs, making sure that everything that is needed is being done. Our Board of Deaconesses have reached out and met the needs of people. We're happy to say that our Board of Christian Ed is now reestablished and beginning to seek out curriculum and beginning to work so that the Christian educational portion of our church is secured, doctrinally sound. There are others that are working. It's in a home twice this week. Not the same home. Two homes. Who received a card from our new card ministry. Something that we're excited about. Because we're able, once again, to touch people. Let them know. Be encouragement. Not only during times of birthday, but of times of anniversary. Taking care of our servicemen, our college kids... All of this is happening. Our grief share and our divorce care ministries are active. We had five functions happening Thursday night. Mops was here, right? We have many wonderful things happening at Moundsville Baptist Church. We're not just waiting to do it. We're doing it. But we're doing it through our leadership Inspiring you. We need workers. And as, I, as Nehemiah surveyed this situation, he called for people and they responded to the work. And their words were, strengthen our hands. Let our hands be strengthened. That's the call that we make today. There was not going to be a memorial plaque that said the Nehemiah wall. It was a wall built for the city of Israel, for the glory of God. And that's what we want Moundsville Baptist Church. To be a place where God is lifted up, where Christ is exonerated, where all that is done is done in His wonderful name in service to Him because of the service that He rendered to us. And so we recognize that. And so to accomplish that, Leaders need also to have some followers. And that's where the rest of us fall in at times. The interesting thing about Nehemiah 3 is the listing of all of those who were given work. And I want to point out in particular, if you would go over to Nehemiah chapter 3, look at verse 14. I'm going to pull out my specs while you're going over there. And look at verse 14. I want you to look at a name. Micaiah. Okay? Got that name? Is that name written down now in your brain? I want you to go up just a little bit. And I want you to see what he got to work with. The dung gate. If you're reading the King James. The dung gate. Now, if you're reading another version, you might say refuse. 
Again, I referenced something that Dr. Hernard said a couple of weeks ago. He talked about the Valley of Hinnom. This is what this gate opened up to. This was a place, as if you remember, he said, and we're aware of, that Moloch offered sacrifice, or not Moloch, but the people, the Canaanites offered sacrifice to Moloch. But what did they sacrifice? Babies. Remember that? It become unholy ground. It had been desecrated. And so as the Jews occupied this place, what it had become, it had become a garbage dump, if you remember. Micaiah. He was given the task to work on the dung gate. Now I want you to go backwards. And I want you to go to verse 8. And I want you to see that in these verses, that it tells us that goldsmiths, apothecaries, all these different people put their hands to this work. You see what I'm saying? There will be sometimes jobs will be glorious, and there will be sometimes jobs will not be so glorious in the church. But if God gives us a plan, and God gives us a vision, all of the work is honorable. All of the work is honorable. Once we realize that, we will ask God to strengthen our hands. We'll know how to serve. We'll know to whom we serve. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this message of, Ma of Nehemiah. We thank you for the vision that you laid upon his heart so many years ago. And I thank you for the vision that you lay on the hearts of the people of Moundsville Baptist Church at this time. And I ask, Father, that we will continue to seek that vision from you and recognize that the work that you have called each of us to do is a mighty work. Because every facet of the work that we do here, Father, it should have one purpose and one purpose alone, and that's to let others know who Jesus Christ is that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Father, may we recognize that each and every day. And so, Father, as we continue our work, the work that you have called us to do, may we lay preparation, Father, so that, again, the man that you are already preparing to come to fill this position as pastor, Lord, that we will be prepared to walk and work alongside him that Moundsville, that Marshall County, that the Ohio Valley, West Virginia, even to the utmost parts of our world, Lord, might know that Jesus Christ is Lord. For we pray these things in his name. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it to his with the ability which God supplies, that on all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen.